efficient way of um, pedagogy. So we, we have seen we have seen the results, and uh, and students don't re- even can just give a talk after three months of learning, you know, to, to the public. But there's more to the ICLP's magic than just theory and philosophy. Join us again next week when Professor Gao lets us in on the secrets of the teachers, the textbooks, and the classes, and tells us why you, too, might want to consider studying Chinese here in Taiwan. Listening to Radio Taiwan International. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shuri Lin. I was honored this past week to have been invited to a press conference to eat. One of the oldest and most well-known Taiwanese cuisine restaurants, Xinye, introduced a new set of meal. There is nothing old anymore, really, about the restaurant except for its history or their menu because they've completely rebranded themselves. Of course, they have some classic dishes for keeps to distinguish them from other Taiwanese restaurants, like the pan-fried omelette with dried radish and the stir-fried pork liver slices. Yum! The event was held at one of its restaurants on the 85th floor of the tallest skyscraper in Taiwan, Taipei 101. I interviewed the gastronomy consultant of Xinye, Andy Xu, whom I had actually interviewed before many years ago when he was already a well-known food expert. He'll tell you what I ate that day and more behind how he came up with the set menu. Today I'm here because uh, there's the introduction of a new menu called the Around the World, no, sorry, Around, 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 around the, the Island, island set, menu. set Menu, Around the Island Set Menu, Around the Taiwan Island Set Menu. But of course, last year, there was already the introduction of another menu called the Taipei Taipei Set Menu. So this year, in addition to the Taipei Taipei Menu, they've also introduced this Around the Island Set Menu. Can you give us an idea of how you got the inspiration for the Around the Island Set Menu? Okay, uh, because we are in 85 floor, and this is, uh, I think, the, the highest uh, Taiwanese cuisine restaurant in the world. Mm, so I think uh, who will come here? First, we know here have very good food. It's a Taiwanese cuisine. Uh, but second, I think a lot of tourist people, they uh, enjoy uh, Taiwanese food. When they want to choose a good Taiwan restaurant, uh, where they will choose and why, uh, we must give them a reason. So the last year, uh, we created a Taipei Taipei set menu. It means when you come to 85 flower, uh, here is Taipei. So from the Taipei Taipei set menu, you can know more about this city from the table. I always think food culture is so charming because they have a lot of meaning. You can talk a lot of story. You can dig. So uh, this year we uh, created another set menu. Name is Around the Island. 
Actually, we use one, two, three, four, five dishes to tell a story how to around the Taiwan this island. Can I just introduce our philosophy about it? Okay. First, we want say welcome to Taiwan. When you arrive Taiwan, most of people they will spend their time in Taipei for business for other reason you want. But I appreciate if you give us、uh, sometimes you can go to other city, other town to enjoy your life. In east part of Taiwan, there is a city named is Yilan, and in Yilan, it's famous for the seafood. So the first dish we use the seafood concept、uh, to show it. But you know, in Taiwan cuisine,、uh, if you just want to eat some raw fish, seafood,、uh, traditional way for the Taiwanese cuisine, you have a lot of choice. When you are in one o one this building, I think something should be changed. How? Well, I think be funny is very important. So we use the watermelon to make a jelly. It looks like、uh, the raw fish.、Uh, actually, it's tuna, the red color, similar with the、uh, you make the watermelon jelly look like tuna raw fish. And we use、uh, soy bean, the green one, to make it like wasabi. Actually, you say the soy bean. It's a、uh, edamame,、uh, edamame bean. Yeah, edamame bean. Edamame yeah, bean. So, so it's green. Ah, yes, so yeah, 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 yeah. So you make into something looking like horseradish. Yes,、yeah. yes, yes. So we just make a joke. We use your baby abalone. You use bamboo and、uh, baby abalone, and、uh, you have a watermelon jelly. It looks just like a seafood, but when you eat, wow, it's not. So I think this is just a hello. Welcome to Taiwan. You have funny on the table. So you want to introduce、uh, Taiwan's watermelon. That's why you use the watermelon to make it look like raw fish.、Uh, you can you say, say it. You、yeah. can say that way, but another reason is because in Yilan have good watermelon. They have a river name is Lanyang River, so they have a good watermelon.、Uh, so we use first dish to say hello to Yilan. Then、uh, we come back to Taipei. In Taipei,、uh, usually、uh, we have very good、uh, market. Uh, so a lot of very good food will come to Taipei. So we choose a very good chicken, and、uh, they have a lot of dry food. It's famous in Taipei.、Uh, this time yeah, we choose, dried goods, right? Yeah, from Da Dao Chen, which is like a, a historical、uh, trade port. Yes. But we have preserved that area, and we still sell a lot of dry goods from in, in that area. Yeah. So this time we choose the、uh, scallops, dry scallops. Ah, the flavor is so yummy. And when you cook with chicken, you must try. And then after Taipei, always going to the middle Taiwan. The name is Yunlin. And Yunlin in Xiluo, this small town, is very famous for soy sauce. So how we use soy sauce in Taiwan? We steam fish. We put one piece of tofu, one piece of good fish, and、uh, give some soy sauce and steam. And you can get a very, I say, a country flavor, or it's my dream flavor because from childhood, from my childhood, my mother will make this for me. It's easy,、uh, but you know, simple is difficult. After that, you can go to Penghu, one of the offshore islands of Taiwan. Yeah, that is another island in the south, and you can eat a very good shrimp. A kind of special sauce in Taiwan name is Hongzhao,、uh, a little sweet. And、uh, we use guava,、uh, make it look like radish, slice it. But actually, it's guava. Yeah,、uh, make a funny another, make a joke.
After that, we go to the south. Taiwan, name is Pingdong. They have、uh, very good mushrooms, and we use a Taiwanese way use a little oil、uh, to deep fry it very quickly. Take it, then、uh, we use、uh, some. We say 季节食素 How to say that the season vegetable? Yeah, season food, season vegetable. Yeah, they saw this dish can show how Taiwanese think about the good vegetables. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Then we go to East Taiwan. Name is Taidong. In the Taidong, we eat kinds of rice noodles. Name is Mi Tai Mu, and、uh, put some bonito flakes. Yeah, that's、uh, all the Taiwan. Only in Taidong, this place, people will eat the Mi Tai Mu. This way, they will put some bonito flakes. So use this five dish. You already go around the Taiwan, and if you want more, no more story, you can ask the、uh, waitress or waiters. Our, our company will tell you more. But if you don't want, I will give you a postcard. Yeah, so you from the picture, you can image. I think、uh, the food、um, sometimes you don't need to talk too much. Food will yeah, talk food for itself. Yeah, food talk for yeah, and image is very important. That's why we choose the postcard. Well, let me explain. They coordinated with an illustrator, Mi Li, who actually made postcards、um, with her illustration of the five, actually more like six different dishes of the places where those ingredients came from. So they're very colorful set of postcards that kind of illustrates where your food came from or the dish came from. You know,、um, it's amazing. There are so many dishes that is really called like real Taiwanese dish. But you came up with these five dishes.、Mm-hmm. Is there any reason why you choose these five? Because you you know you're going to do a around the island set menu.、Mm-hmm. So you think about a, a county in the north,、mm-hmm. and then one you know the west, and then one to south, and then east, and I don't know. So that's how you start picking, right? You start、yes. making the different districts,、yes. and then deciding what is the specialty, what is the local、uh, food or crop、mm-hmm. in those areas, and decide what kind of dish. Is、mm-hmm. that right?、Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not so difficult. Actually, yeah, because、uh, I spend、uh, around twenty.、Uh, Years to study Taiwanese food culture, so I know something special. What is special? I know that. And pick five dishes. Actually, three for west, two for east. So、uh, that's easy. Why use this way? We will say Taiwan. We will usually separate for four part. One is north, medium, and south. Central Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, central Taiwan. First.、Uh, Choose Yilan. We think about the culture. Second, in Taipei, North Taiwan, I think is a kinds of、um, the market. And then Central Taiwan, I think about the、uh, ingredients. And then we must put the island inside, right? Because uh, uh, Taiwan is an island. Yes, but actually Taiwan country where we have、uh, four or more small island. Penghu is one of that. So we should choose it in. Another is South of Taiwan. In South Taiwan, I think I want put some、uh, talk about agriculture. It's not traditional way. Let's still、uh, have a technical way to cultivate.、Uh, oh, yeah, using technology. Yeah, technology use technology to grow up. Yeah,、okay. so let's make mushrooms. Then the East, East we choose the culture again. At the、uh, beginning, the Yilan. The northeast part of Taiwan, I choose it because culture, but I use the funding way. And the end, 
I choose the East Taiwan by the South Way, Taidong. I focus on the culture too, but I want to use the traditional way. So from the creative to the traditional, I think that part of Taiwan. It's very difficult to make a rule to tell you what is Taiwan. You know, I've never thought of food as、uh, making a joke out of it. Like you were saying, you thought of something funny.、Mm-hmm. Like for example, you used watermelon、yeah. Jello、yes. to slice it in such a way that looks like、mm-hmm. raw fish.、Yeah. Is it because you're a funny person? That's、uh, why you think about. Make- I hope you can. Yeah, I hope you say it, but my wife don't think so. <laughs> Actually, talking about Taiwan's culture, I think it must include traditional and creative way.、Um, so try to create it and uh, uh, use watermelon to look like the little fish. Well, I am not the first one to create it.、Uh, in East part, you can find in some、uh, this idea in some place. You're not afraid that people, customers, are going to be angry, thinking that oh, I got raw fish, but then it's watermelon jello. No, that's why I choose the traditional Norway on the ending. At the beginning, if you feel angry, but after eat it, you feel full. Maybe you are not angry again. You're right. I had those five dishes and a dessert dish, and I'm really full. Yeah. You're right. I've been back in Taiwan 29 years,、uh-huh. and I thought I know about Taiwanese food.、Uh-huh. But listening to you talk today, as you explain the history behind each dish、uh-huh. and why you use the different ingredients,、mm-hmm. I realize I don't know all the history about Taiwanese food. But when you tell It is so interesting, you know. Like for example, the Japanese influence.、Yeah. For example, it tells the difference between the different classes. So I guess you grew up really loving food itself to the point where you want to even learn about its history. And once you know the history behind the food, you appreciate it more. Is that right? Yeah, most people will tell me the most interesting is from field to the table, and because these twenty years I spend a lot of time to visit the farmers, find the good ingredients. You feel confused about in Taiwan. Actually, we don't have four season; we just have two season. I mean, summer or not summer, hot or more hot. <laughs> Sorry, just joke. Uh, actually, in Taiwan, uh, it's not like Japan have four season. Uh, some fruit you can find it all. Year, year but all year round, you just need to find it in different area. You start thinking about how it's different. Why the flavor is different? Because temperature is different, the earth is different. Yes, you know. But you want to know more. When you want to know more, you will find、uh, the people, different farmers, different area have a different way to enjoy it. That's we say it's culture. All right. Well, thank you very much, Andy. This has really been a lot of fun and learning so much about the different dishes, and they're really, really delicious. So, thank you for bringing Taiwan to the world. And、um, congratulations on this、uh, important position you have at the Xinye Restaurant, which is like one of the oldest Taiwanese cuisine restaurant in in Taiwan. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Andy. Thank you, thank you a lot. Bye bye. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan.
给你掏钱了，别弄我的 gas。我听懂了。Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Classic shorts, stories from Chinese history and literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Today we hear one of the most famous narrative long poems from the Tang Dynasty. The Song of a Guitar was written by Bai Juyi, a prominent Tang Dynasty poet and government official who was once exiled for being too critical of those in power. This poem was written in 816 A.D. when he heard a Chinese guitar player's music and her sharing about her sorrows. He thought of his own sadness over being dismissed from his post as governor, and wrote about them in this famous work. This is the second half of the poem. We heard an oriole, liquid, hidden among flowers. We heard a brook, bitterly sob, along a bank of sand. By the checking of its cold touch. The very string seemed broken, as though it could not pass, and the notes dying away into a depth of sorrow and concealment of lament, told even more in silence than they had told in sound. A silver vase abruptly broken with a gush of water. And outlipped armed horses and weapons that clashed and smote. And before she laid her pick down, she ended with one stroke, and all four strings made one sound as of rending silk. There was quiet in the east boat, and quiet in the west. And we saw the white autumnal moon. Enter the river's heart, when she had slowly placed the pick back among the strings. She rose and smoothed her clothing, and formal, courteous, told us how she had spent her girlhood at the capital, living in her parents' house under the Mount of Toads. And had mastered the guitar at the age of thirteen, with her name recorded first in the class roll of musicians, her art the admiration even of experts, her beauty the envy of all the leading dancers, how noble use of uling had lavishly competed, and numberless red rolls of silk been given for one song. And silver combs with shell and lay been snapped by her rhythms, and skirts the color of blood been spoiled with stains of wine. Season after season, joy had followed joy. Autumn moons and spring winds had passed without her heeding, till first her brother left for the war, and then her aunt died. 
And evenings went and evenings came and her beauty faded, with ever fewer chariots and horses at her door, so that finally she gave herself as wife to a merchant, who, prizing money first, careless how he left her, had gone a month before to Fuliang to buy tea, and she had been tending an empty boat at the river's mouth. No company but the bright moon and the cold water. And sometimes in the deep of night she would dream of her triumphs and be wakened from her dreams by the scalding of her tears. Her very first guitar note had started me sighing. Now having heard her story, I was sadder still. We are both unhappy to the sky's end. We meet, we understand. What does acquaintance matter? I came a year ago, away from the capital, and am now a sick exile here in Zhujiang. And so remote is Zhujiang that I've heard no music, neither string nor bamboo for a whole year. My quarters near the river town are low and damp, with bitter reeds and yellow rushes all about the house. And what is to be heard here morning and evening? The bleeding cry of cuckoos? The whimpering of apes? On flowery spring mornings and moonlit autumn nights? I've often taken wine up and drunk it all alone. Of course there are the mountain songs and the village pipes, but they are crude and strident and great on my ears. And tonight when I heard you playing your guitar, I felt as if my hearing were bright with fairy music. Do not leave us. Come, sit down. Play for us again. And I will write a long song concerning a guitar. Moved by what I said, she stood there for a moment, then sat again to her strings, and they sounded even sadder. Although the tunes were different from those she had played before, the feasters all listening covered their faces. But who of them all was crying the most? This Jujang official. My blue sleeve was wet. The Song of a Guitar by Bai Juyi. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Today I'm going to feature videos about environmental protection. The Environmental Protection Administration, or EPA, may soon regulate the amount of light that businesses can produce at night. That's with research showing that light pollution could impact your health. This is a particular concern in densely populated Taiwan, where commercial and residential areas often overlap. 
neon lights, flashing billboards, and scrolling signs. This is Taipei, a city that never goes dark. But some local residents say the lights are blinding and unsightly. Taiwan's Environmental Protection Administration is set to introduce guidelines to regulate light output at night. An official in charge of noise and air pollution, Tsai Mengyu, says the new guidelines will apply to residential and mixed-use zones. But he says his department has recommended against restricting light in purely commercial areas. Some scholars say that exempting commercial areas from guidelines is unreasonable. Tsinghua University material science professor Zhou Zhuohui says that excessive light exposure at night could lead to skin problems. He says studies have shown that an increase in nighttime light exposure has led to an increase in breast cancer cases among women. Right now, there are no fines or punishments in place for people who don't comply with the guidelines. The EPA says that different government agencies are responsible for monitoring light from different sources. For now, the guidelines merely offer a reference for suitable levels of light exposure. Leslie Liao, RTI News. Earlier this year, Longshan Temple, a historic monument in downtown Taipei, imposed a ban on candle lighting. The move aims to protect the environment and ensure public safety. The bundles of red candles, large and small, sold at Longshan Temple, will soon become a part of history. Starting May, the temple that is dedicated to Bodhisattva will no longer allow worshippers to light candles on its premises. A notice posted by the temple reads, Candles will no longer be sold to worshippers, nor will candle holders be offered. This is due to the growing public awareness of environmental protection and safety concerns following the fire that ruined the Notre Dame in Paris. The temple also urged the public not to bring their own candles. One worshipper found the move quite disappointed because he has always lit candles to pray for peace. Another believer supports the ban, saying that burning one stick of incense is good enough and the environment has improved. Over the years, the Longshan Temple has been working to protect the environment. It stopped burning paper money in 2000 and cut the number of furnaces from 7 to 3 in 2015. As it takes time to change public attitudes towards candle lighting, the temple is considering other alternatives. Neighborhood chief Fan Tianchen said using electric candles might be a good idea because it's not easy to clean the wax dripping on the altar table. And what positions do Taiwan's presidential candidates hold on issues related to climate change? As far as Greenpeace is concerned, not the right ones. The group says that neither DPP incumbent Tsai Ing-wen nor her KMT challenger Han Guoyu have adequate policies or plans. Fail. That's the word Greenpeace used to sum up the climate policies of Taiwan's presidential hopefuls in a slideshow presentation Thursday. To be fair, the group didn't pass judgment on all the candidates. People First Party chairman James Song only announced his candidacy a few weeks ago, leaving Greenpeace without the time to fully analyze his platform. But in the slideshow, Greenpeace gives DPP incumbent Tsai Ing-wen a C-minus on the climate. KMT rival Han Guoyu, meanwhile, gets a D-minus. Both Tsai and Han say they believe in the importance of carbon reduction. So how did Greenpeace arrive at these scores? It sent out questionnaires to the campaigns and also looked at public statements made by the candidates before the end of October. Greenpeace focused on plans for carbon reduction, plans to ensure social justice when dealing with climate change issues, and plans to move Taiwan to green energy. 
Greenpeace Taiwan's energy director, Tang An, says that President Tsai's short-term plan is more complete and more feasible. Tang called on Han to release detailed plans for how he will achieve his vision of an energy transformation by 2035. Still, as far as Greenpeace is concerned, neither candidate is off the hook when it comes to climate change. It wants both Tsai and Han to come forward with more concrete energy and climate policies. John Van Trieste, RTI News. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. What do senior citizens do after retirement? Well, a 73-year-old man who has been taking extended tracks around Taiwan to make it a cleaner place. He spent years on trash-collecting expeditions with a mission to leave Taiwan a greener place than he found it. Meet Lin Mingde. This 73-year-old man pushes his trash cart across Taiwan picking up whatever litter he can find along the way. He walks long distances, collecting cigarette butts, plastic bags, and juice containers, and even more exotic trash like an old mechanical watch. He kept the watch. By the way, after six months, no one had come to the local police station to claim it. But this whole operation isn't about scavenging. Ling says it's important to have respect for the earth and to show our appreciation to it because our planet nurtures all life. Despite his age, Ling is now on his 10th trash-collecting expedition. What is it that keeps him going? Ling says that the sight of an old man like him picking up trash will make those who litter feel ashamed. Ling is 73 years old. Another senior citizen, Chen Xiufeng, who is in her 80s, has been cleaning up a beach in the northeastern county of Yilan every day for six years. Her dedication has touched many people and encouraged other locals to get involved too. Meet Chen Xiufeng. Chen loves taking pictures of the beautiful sunrise on the beach in Yilan County. But taking photos is not her goal. She's there to clean up litter. This retiree, who is now in her 80s, has been picking up litter here for six years now. Weather permitting, she goes to the beach at dawn and at dusk almost every day. Sometimes Chen's daughter-in-law helps her pick up garbage. She says because there's so much trash, it's a hard job. But Chen calls it a workout. Chen's good deeds have inspired many over the years. Now more and more other people volunteer to clean up the beach too. Christmas is just around the corner. To end today's program, we have a story that's very Christmassy and eco-friendly. Puli Township in the central county of Nantou built Taiwan's highest Christmas tree made with used toys. Thanks to some 8,000 local children, the toys they no longer play with have been put to good use. At the roundabout in Puli Township, there is a Christmas tree with twinkling lights. The tree, which is 15 meters tall and 10 meters wide, brings a festive atmosphere to the neighborhood. But take a close look. You will find that the tree is actually made with all kinds of used toys, such as cars, pianos, and robots. One resident said a tree like that helps protect the environment. Another said it's wasteful if children throw toys away. 
Chen Juqai came up with the idea. He said the township office collected the used toys from some 8,000 local children. As Christmas is just around the corner, the tree gives parents a great opportunity to teach children about the importance of environmental protection. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. See you next week. Bye-bye. Malaysia has a lot of uh, market opportunities and what Malaysians can do is Malaysians can fit some of the inputs into this uh, Taiwan uh, industry innovation plan. Definitely, uh, Malaysia will have a lot of uh, opportunities because 95% of Malaysia SMEs are in the manufacturing sector. Hello and welcome to this week's Online brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Huang. Malaysian representative Ms. Sharon Ho said Taiwan and Malaysia can work together in the areas of industrial, medical and halal tourism. There have been many seminars on both sides, she said, can find more coordinated platforms to turn some of the plans into action. Malaysia has been improving the service and quality of health care and the Malaysian Healthcare Travel Council, or MHTC, is targeting new ASEAN markets and the Middle East. Surprisingly, Singapore, Australia, Japan and the US are among the main sources of medical tourism arrivals in Malaysia. To find out more, we are joined today by Ms. Sharon Ho, the Malaysian representative. Ms. Ho, I know that uh, the bilateral trade between Taiwan and Malaysia has always uh, played a very important role. Could you first tell us uh, what the main import and export items are? Uh, well, the Malaysia-Taiwan bilateral trade as of last year is about USD 23.8 billion. Uh, in fact, it has already increased about 23%. Uh, and our major exports to Taiwan is electronic and electrical products, petroleum products, uh, optical and scientific products. While our imports uh, to the imports are... Uh, from Taiwan is also electrical and electronic products, iron and steel, and also the uh, manufacturing uh, equipment uh, products. Uh, just to let you know, the electronic and electrical products contribute about almost fifty percent of the exports. Actually, Malaysian exports to Taiwan. What does Malaysia hope to export to Taiwan in the future? 
Well, as Taiwan have this uh, industrial innovation plan 5 plus 2, where the focus is on uh, green energy, uh, biomedical, smart manufacturing, uh, aerospace, which I feel Malaysia has a lot of uh, market opportunities. And what Malaysians can do is Malaysians can fit some of the inputs into this uh, Taiwan uh, industry innovation plan. Definitely, uh, Malaysia will have a lot of uh, opportunities because 95% of Malaysia SMEs are in the manufacturing sector. Taiwan and Malaysia, as you mentioned, have had a lot of cooperation in different sectors and areas. Can you also talk about e-commerce or some innovative industries. Taiwan and uh, Malaysia, actually, we are constantly looking for platforms and also activities for business expansion and also for tapping any new business uh, opportunities. In terms of e-commerce, um, approximately about 90% of Malaysia has uh, access to internet, uh, banking services and, uh, and other electronic uh, relevance uh, services. So one of the areas that... Uh, Taiwan and Malaysia has been cooperating is recently in terms of e-commerce is the cyber sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had it last uh, July and this is the first regional cyber sale. There are approximately about um, more than 40 uh, vendors from Taiwan actually participated in this uh, regional cyber sale and uh, actually marketing about more than 2,000 brands. I think this is a very good effort between uh, Malaysia and uh, and Taiwan as a way of uh, marketing our products and services. And it's also give Malaysia a lot of niche because of our higher penetration in the internet in Southeast Asia. For example, uh, the Alibaba also has already made KLIA as a logistic hub to market their products because we do provide courier services and also custom clearance. This is one of the uh, opportunities that uh, Malaysia has and uh, it's also an engagement with Taiwan and we definitely can work together to uh, promote many of these uh, um, products and services through the e-commerce. One of it is through home and living and uh, cosmetics, skincare, and also the uh, travel, electronics, and also the childcare products. Mm-hmm. So there's been so many areas that we just uh, touched on. What area do you think that Taiwan and Malaysia should enhance? One of the areas, because Taiwan is renowned for these high-tech and innovations. And these are the areas that Malaysians can learn uh, a lot from Taiwan. For example, we have this one Taiwan-Malaysia Industrial uh, Summit. More than 400 um, companies participated. 300 are from uh, Taiwan and about 150 are from Malaysia. And this is a platform for engagement uh, between Malaysia Business Associations and Taiwan Business Associations, also among our government agencies. Not only for business matching, but it's also one of the platform for companies to showcase their technology solution on a certain field. So as far as Malaysia is concerned, our policy is concerned, we actually support innovation. We believe in innovations and R&D. That's how to drive the business and investment forward in, in Malaysia. Um, this is one platform we cooperate with uh, Taiwan through the Ta- Malaysia's Taiwan Industrial Summit every year. We host it alternately between Taiwan and Malaysia. Um, another areas I, I feel that is tourism. We should use tourism as a tool. 
as a tool and as a driver to promote all our trade and investment in various sectors because tourism does fit in uh, in a wide spectrum of uh, sectors. Whether we want to do a rebranding of our business or whether we want to do a business expansion, we should make use of tourism as a tool and a driving force for all our trade and investment. Tourism, I think, is a very important uh, area, you know, which Taiwan and Malaysia are currently engaged in. Um, Taiwan has put a lot of emphasis on tourism, and so has Malaysia. And what area of uh, cooperation do you think uh, both sides can do to enhance more tourism in the future? We can do industrial tourism, medical tourism, and also halal tourism, because a lot of seminars have been conducted uh, we have conducted quite a number of workshops. We have seen workshops in Taiwan. And what we need to do is we to find uh, more coordinated platforms to actually to make sure that uh, these activities are run parallel. And uh, we need to have a more outcome-based because the, the way I see is just a one-off um, convening of a seminar. We need to have a benchmark outcome-based or a result-based to make sure that these activities have some impact. Yeah. You're listening to Underline brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong and today I'm speaking with Malaysian representative Ms. Sharon Ho. When you talk about um, medical tourism, uh, do you mean a two-way interaction between Taiwan and Malaysia? Maybe um, Taiwanese can also go to Malaysia for uh, medical tourism or Malaysians can also come to Taiwan for medical tourism because I know that Taiwanese have also been engaged in medical tourism. But Malaysia, I know, has been at the forefront, I would say, uh, because uh, you have attracted, you know, sources from Singapore, uh, Australia, Japan and the US and other countries as well. Can you tell us, for example, how Taiwan can learn from Malaysia in this area, for example? Okay, one thing, if you look at our medical tourism industries, um, since in, in 2011, our statistics shows that it's like more than half a million of travelers coming to Malaysia for medical uh, purposes. And uh, just recently in 2018, it has surpassed more than one, one uh, billion actually 1.2 billion of travelers coming to seek for medical treatment in Malaysia. One of the reasons I would say is that Malaysia is a politically very, um, it's a very safe country, free from natural disaster. We have a lot of flight connectivity. And uh, another niche is we have a highly uh, regulated uh, medical services. Uh, in a sense that we are constantly benchmark uh, our medical services with the international standards to make sure it is have a good quality and also uh, safety products. And uh, it's also uh, in terms of pricing, Malaysia makes sure that it is accessible and affordable to all uh, segment of society. This is one thing we have the niche. And the third is Malaysia has um, the language. We are multicultural, multicultural and multilingual society. We speak English, we speak Malay, and we also speak Chinese. So it makes it easier for our travelers to come to Malaysia. It's accessible to them, and uh, we can help to uh, to uh, um, assign them to any medical treatment according to, to their comfort uh, language. And uh, fourthly is we offer a seamless end-to-end -end services from the point of inquiry before coming to Malaysia of the type of treatment until the successful of their treatment. That means we have people receiving them at the airport, arranging accommodation, transportation. Uh, this is something that I said is medical tourism because if you incorporate tourism 
in the medical sector is actually we feel that there is a multiplier effect because we look at the income of the hospital alone yeah so for example Malaysia we have uh, about ringgit Malaysia 1 1.6 billion ringgit from the hospital revenue itself to our GDP but when we incorporate the medical uh, the uh, tourism uh, elements into the medical sector, it, our income actually multiplied by four four times. So it's, it's about 6.5 billion ringgit Malaysia. This is how I see why tourism does plays a very important role in promoting all these sectors. Tell us about the healthcare in Malaysia, uh, uh, Ms. Ho. The healthcare, the healthcare in Malaysia, so far it has been expanding quite well. Like I, like I said, it's like more travelers are coming to to see us, and uh, because Malaysia we practice a dual system, uh, private and public sectors, so we offer our healthcare care services to all segments of society at a very affordable price, and. Um, yeah, one thing we want to learn from Taiwan is uh, Taiwan uh, cutting-edge uh, medical techniques and practices. This is something that uh, Malaysia is uh, looking forward, is probably lacking. We have a young professionals doctor, but what we require is a technologist in a medical AI. So I see this as a win-win situation between uh, Malaysia and Taiwan. We, can, um, we have the languages, we have the uh, competitive when it comes to languages and probably the the end-to-end simpler services which, which we can help uh, Taiwan. In fact, we also have this uh, Muslim-friendly environment in terms of halal. Um, we actually can work together with Taiwan actually to, uh, to, to tap on these uh, opportunities. And talking about halal, we know recently Taiwan has been developing its halal industry. And of mm. course, uh, again, Taiwan can learn from Malaysia because Malaysia has been recognized as one of the leaders in halal industry. Now, could you share with us the development of halal industry in, in Malaysia? In fact, halal industry is one of the very important sectors for Malaysia. We in fact have featured in under our Malaysia industry uh, master plan. We also established a Malaysia Halal Council to actually monitor and coordinate most of our halal initiative in Malaysia. Currently, we have about 13 halal standards uh, in Malaysia, providing guidelines to uh, our all the companies who wants to do halal business and uh, services. And we also have about 8,000 halal certified companies uh, with approximately more than 1,700 exporters. Uh, doing halal businesses. Um, this is something very important for us and uh, we have a lot to share with Taiwan. But I feel that Taiwan can better tap the opportunities if we have a common understanding that halal compliance actually moves beyond uh, food products. It actually goes um, on products and services. You know, a range of products and services which related to media, lifestyle, cosmetics, skincare, travel, you know, Taiwan should look to have a common understanding or a mutual understanding that it moves beyond the food products. And secondly, um, it is also good for Taiwan to focus on the promotion of halal products and services so that it could, uh, with a view of thinking of moving this halal industry to a higher value chain. And um, there's a need to have a clear understanding of the halal certification process because uh, to build a knowledge on that. And uh, thirdly, 
in order to move uh, towards a higher halal uh, products and services change, um, Malaysia actually can work together with Taiwan. We can educate uh, um, to share our uh, experience and knowledge how to build a comprehensive halal ecosystem. Halal ecosystems does not only confide to halal certification, but it also involves infrastructure, market access, funding, and most importantly is the human capital uh, development expertise in this particular field. And that was the first part of our interview with the president of Malaysian Friendship and Trade Center, Ms. Sharon Ho. Ms. Sharon Ho is the Malaysian representative here in Taiwan. And that's it for this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next Wednesday. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.